Hi, and thanks for joining Interesting People for 20, where in each episode we'll be speaking with people who have stories that are inspirational, motivational, and often truly amazing. This 20-minute quick podcast is meant to be something you can listen to at lunch, on a break, or out for a short walk. We'll hear about achievements, setbacks, and the challenges you might not normally see. Just about everyone has an interesting story, if you ask. I'm Eric Cohen, your host. I'm an inventor, technologist, and sometimes cyclist, but most importantly, I love a good story, and I really hope you find my guests as interesting as I do. Almost everyone loves a smoothie. Some like it as a treat, some like it as a health drink, and for years there have been various approaches to commercializing this popular, yet elusive combination of ingredients, blended into a cocktail of flavors ranging from fruity to grassy. What I loved about this interview with the two founders of Smoothie was that it's like a masterclass in scrappy startups that are worried more about consumer learning than writing business plans. Let's hear how Pascal Kreischa and Morgan Abraham met and how this relationship turned into something we can all love and enjoy. Hi, Pascal and Morgan. Thanks for being here. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So you're in business together. I'm curious, how did you meet in the first place? Yeah, I think we have a pretty unique story, Morgan and I, because we were working on the same idea separately from each other without even knowing each other. Morgan up in Canada, I uh, down in Boston, and then got introduced through a mutual connection and um, just hit it off as partners. Um, so it's, I think, a unique story, but we found out uh, pretty quickly that one plus one was five. Joined forces, became co-founders, and the rest is history. How did you get connected since you were working on the same project in different parts of the country? How did, how did that connection happen? Yeah, so one, one of my first team members, uh, Jane, actually went to McGill and met Morgan at a McGill alumni event and um, found out that we both work on the same idea and said, hey, you guys should talk. So it's interestingly, um, she made a connection. I think a lot of people could have thought we're competitors, um, but we gave it a chance. And I think that really became also part of our DNA, gave it a chance um, to partner rather than to compete. Um, and yeah, when I met Morgan for the first time, he, I thought he was setting up a demo with, with his prototype. Um, he gave me an address in Beacon Hill, but it turned out it was his uh, residential address. And I went there like after 11 p.m., went up to the fifth floor, walking on a dark <laughs> corridor. And I was pretty surprised because again, I expected it to be a restaurant or something where he was setting up. But then it was Morgan in his living room with a prototype in the living room. And um, we made smoothies there and, and just connected. So um, I, I will never forget that moment, but I'm glad I gave it a chance. <laughs> and Morgan, whose smoothie machine do you think was the better approach? Yours or Pascal's? Oh have a slight disagreement early on was actually if anything validation to me was that Pascal was saying we should have a Coca-Cola freestyle machine. And I told Pascal that was initially my idea as well. But then in initial user testing, I found that that wasn't the way to go for a number of reasons. Initially, there was the risk of higher operation costs, maintaining all of those different compartments that would have these different fruits getting dispensed out of them, but then also the manufacturability and serviceability of them. But what really killed it was, I mean, I was always up for a challenge. So it was, but if I found out that it just wasn't a good idea, that's what would kill it. And that's what, what I did is I did our first demo out live very early on. People loved the smoothies and we told them put whatever you want in it, but they put everything in it and it turned brown. And so 
a lot of the smoothies while they were like, you know, still excited about them. They didn't like the color. They didn't taste as good. It was like, Oh, I wish I could have made a different mixture. And of course that comes up to, on us. Like they, they felt kind of guilty themselves, but we gave them the opportunity to, to make those bad flavors. So I was like, realized that you kind of had to constrain what you put in those smoothies. So that full customization wasn't the way to go, but customization nevertheless was quite important. So called it the selective customization where you kind of give them a few options, but don't overwhelm them. Yeah. So, so interestingly, I had the same instinct early on, like Morgan to actually start building right away. I think that's kind of the engineering approach, but I was doing it at the time my MBA at, at HBS and a lot of my professors there anyway, thought I was crazy doing this. So they said, okay, before even building something, just go and validate your assumptions. So what we did was um, going into offices, serving smoothies manually as an MVP without even having a machine. Um, like luckily it turned out I was able to validate all my assumptions. I was even more eager to build a machine. Um, so I think some of my early advisors were surprised about that. Um, but then I met Morgan just at the right time where he had done a lot of the early prototyping already. And I remember he had, among you have done a, a prototype, even of this freestyle machine where you were trying different dispensing techniques. And what Morgan was telling me, like I tried this, it's super hard to actually dispense frozen chunks um, consistently. Um, and that's where we said, okay, let's, let's keep it modular and simple. I guess, um, for me to start, um, it was initially at, of, um, an event called startup weekend in Boston, where I first came up with the idea. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I was part of a team that actually wanted to make a full vending machine for trail mix. And I was the one engineer there. So I kind of helped them develop that. And, um, we actually won that competition. So that was like the beginning of like the entrepreneurship journey. So I thought that was kind of cool and, uh, and that, but I realized it was just not the right idea. And so um, just because trail mix wasn't necessarily the healthiest product, it wasn't the most trendy product. And also it was something that wouldn't, you wouldn't need to get on the spot because you could provide, put trail mix in a bag and have it just be good for a long time. So I thought what's a product that is really trendy is truly healthy and it goes bad quickly after it's made. And I thought maybe it probably has to melt. So that's sort of how I ended up landing on smoothies. At the same time, I remember I was going on a trip to Costa Rica and I had to get vaccinations and the doctor took all these tests and she said, you're great on all fronts except for your cholesterol, which is really high. So um, I just, you know, you have to get on medication or do like give one month to change that. So I started drinking a smoothie every day. And then a month later, I caught back to her and my cholesterol plummeted. My LDL was from 171 to 117. And so that was sort of the, actually the real validation is like, holy crap, this really can help people. Both my parents are doctors. So I was like, this is like my way to save people. So, uh, Pascal, how about you? How did you get into smoothies? There's like a backstory to it. My wife wanted to buy one of those magic bullets and I told her, don't buy it. Um, we will never use it because we have to clean it up. She bought it anyways. And I started having smoothies every morning and I just used the fruit it was in, that we had available. And I just loved it every morning before I, I never made time for breakfast. Suddenly I made the time for it and I feel, felt empowered. I felt fresh and energized for the day. If I can be so happy with just a simple smoothie and this kind of convenient process, um, why isn't there more of that out there? And I think there are just so many instances in our lives, especially when you look at the commercial setup, where we always trade off our health and well-being for the convenient choice. So let's talk about smoothie, the beginning of that journey. What initially happened is Pascal and I kind of made this after meeting a few times and Pascal and I kind of joked that we were almost dating each other for a little bit before we decided to move forward as like a tentative partnership agreement for three months. And so while I'm very passionate about everything I've built, I'm also more passionate about moving forward and progress. So if, you know, if, if we need to 
start start over even despite how much work we put into the machines let's take it apart so we can move forward to the business so we basically gutted that whole machine that i showed pascal and put all new parts in it worked with an engineering company and um you know found this manufacturing facility in somerville um a maker space called artisans asylum where we basically took everything out of the machine that i started and then rebuilt it all from the ground up and uh test and then finally came out with a machine that we we brought back to the field and um, at that point, we'd really surpassed everything that we'd ever thought we could get done. We're moving so much faster and just saw that this was really, truly a great partnership. And so we decided to build our own partnership agreement. And I think Pascal can talk about that. We spent a good afternoon in his apartment, just, you know, hashing out a lot of ideas. And I, I think and that really became the foundation of the trust we built, because, I mean, it was early on, we could talk about everything. So I think yeah, that, that partnership agreement became really the foundation of the trust that we have today. In the beginning, we always thought, okay, this next iteration of our prototype will be our commercial version. And we were just incredibly naive. Um, and I think probably luckily we, we were thinking that because probably we, at a certain moment, we would just have surrendered and not, not continued that path. Um, but it took us like years of iterating on it. And as Morgan described, really the humility to say, or like, like get away from the sunk cost fallacy of, of years of work going into something, if there was a better way to do it. or And we always pushed ourselves to put like our equipment out there to test way too early to actually validate requirements. And we had a lot of machines fail in the field in, in, in a technical way where we just said, okay, it's not consistent, it's not fully cleaning yet. But the one thing we always saw is just the incredible emotions and like just excitement of, of our consumers. So we knew there's there's a market and now we just, we need to get the product right. And um, I think when, when COVID hit, and that really gave us two years where we had a little bit less pressure from investors to deploy more machines, focus on revenue, because anyways, the, shut was, the world was shut down. And uh, it gave us the time to rethink our entire engineering. So we re-engineered from the ground up um, and came up with the machine that we have today that is commercial. And actually, finally, it's much better than we could even have thought. And as founders, it's important to have that shared vision, right? The interesting thing is that there's just so many viable opportunities. We see that there's so many viable opportunities where people would would want to buy this. We've been in gyms, we've been in schools, we've been in um, convenience stores, we've been even in like you know looking at small retail stores and grocery stores. And so there's been a lot of interest there. It's now kind of refining that what is the most scalable path forward. It's about what's the biggest return with the least amount of change. Yeah, I think what was really important is just to be aligned in the same mission. I like the the impact we want to have have on people. Like our mission is empowering healthy habits. So that's the ultimate goal for us. And every time we see kids running into stores using our machine, that's kind of uh, our mission turning reality. Um, we we hear stories from customers um, that actually make smoothie part of their routine that um, allows them to live healthier lives after having like heart attacks and uh, fighting obesity, etc. So I think that really what drives us and. As Morgan said, there are different milestones to get there. And I, I think often we don't even have the right answer. That's something we also put in like early on in our founders agreement. Um, if we are in disagreement, let's design a test to find out what is right. I mean, who are we to know what, what the right segment is, right? Um, for instance, convenience stores was something we were very skeptical about initially because we thought it's not our target demographic going into a convenience store. Um, but then we got invited to a trade show from a convenience store distributor, had a booth for free back in 2019, um, went there had a prototype with a lot of 3D printed parts um, and actually put it out for pre-sale for $10,000. Said, let's see if we can actually get some, some customers. And interestingly, like people wanted to trade in their existing equipment against our machine. There was zero like healthy booths out there. Um, everyone was advertising with, we put real sugar into our products and ours was, no, we don't put any sugar. 
and there was excitement from the biggest chains in the region. So that was just a, like an eye-opening point where I, I think both Morgan and I were really skeptical of that market. And actually, right now, it's one of our biggest markets, and that is hugely scalable with an incredible need for fresh and healthy options. Did you guys ever write a formal business plan? We definitely did, because we I think from the early days, um, we did a lot of the um, startup competitions. And I think part of that is also always having a business plan. We raised money early on because, um, I mean, we were incredibly scrappy and have probably raised much less than other Silicon Valley startups um, to get to the point where we're today. Um, but in order to also attract the investment, we always had our projections. They probably were always off. <laughs> we're totally honest about that. Um, but I think the, the important thing is to be clear about our assumptions. And then as we learn and grow, um, to refine those assumptions. We've, we've written formal business plans, but I, I don't think that's really, if, from looking back on it, I think that's a fallacy most startups are kind of forced to do. I don't think, you know, unless you're like a publicly traded company, it's really just something to make like investors who probably honestly are mostly the, most of the naive investors who don't really know what they're doing, expect you to do just because it's a formality. I do think you need to have a plan. Absolutely. But I think you need a plan that actually works for your business. So in fact, instead of writing a full formal business plan, maybe writing a plan for, for your product development, having a small plan so you can hand it off to your R&D team, having a plan for your marketing efforts. And, and it's good to have it all cohesive and understand how it comes together, but you don't want to just have one plan because that's not something everyone on your team can use. And you really need to do it for you, not for the investor. And if you're doing things for an investor, which I think a lot of early stage startups feel like they have to do, you're just shooting yourself in the foot because what happens when that investor walks away? People tell you what they think they want, but they don't tell you what you really need to do. So you, what you think your vision is often changes along the way based on what you learn. And it sounds like this trade show in 2019 is an example of that. Absolutely. And I mean, one thing I would say also, I mean, we were kind of talking about how we were coming up with these different ideas and tests. If we don't know things, I mean, that's really what you have to do as a founder is you're unless like you're doing like there, I guess there's two different types of entrepreneurs. In my opinion, there's entrepreneurs who do a tried and tested model and you just have capital or resources to build it. Let's say like build a brewery or build a restaurant. Um, you can do some innovative stuff there, but you're not necessarily having a huge risk factor. And then we're kind of on the other extreme where it's like, we've done this whole new technology, this whole new thing. I mean, think like a Henry Ford, think what Microsoft did with a, a, an operating system. And um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you kind of, creating this whole new path. And so you don't really know how people are going to react to it. You can guess. And so it's really about building as many tests as possible and scenario plan around those. So if this happens, what is going to be my response to that? And having an idea of like how you respond to those things, but not pre-describing what you're going to do until you find that out. And there was a market for a long time. I mean, you would see Jamba Juice and other places, you know, in, in malls and airports where you could get a smoothie. I don't see them as much anymore. So one could think, well, you know, no one's interested in smoothies. I think that you're, it's a, you're, you bring up an interesting point. You see less of these Jamba juices. Um, I think people are now looking for healthy smoothies. Um, and that's, I don't want to put down certain brands, but if you're, a lot of these ones add concentrates and sweeteners and sugar to it. So it's not really healthy. And people are seeing through that ruse. People really want truly, truly healthy food. Um, and so- a lot of these, like the health standards are getting more and more um, prevalent. I mean, even in the convenience store market, we're seeing that, you know, a lot of more convenience stores are offering fresh food, prepared food rather than prepackaged food. And so there's a huge slide for that. So these convenience stores, these back in the day, those were the healthiest things out there because like, you know, fast food was fast food or 
a smoothie that was had some real fruit in it. And now people want the real deal. Yeah, and you see definitely those trends. I mean, the fresh salad prices uh, places uh, are going through through the roof, right? Um, they're like smaller smoothie chains that actually focus on fresh and healthy are also scaling incredibly fast. The, the smoothie market itself has, I think, doubled over the last five years. So I, I definitely think that this is a trend that's here to stay. It's not a fad. Um, and COVID has only accelerated this trend of we care more about what we put into our bodies to strengthen our bodies, get the vitamins in. Um, and I think lastly, I think smoothies are only the beginning. What we build is really a platform for fresh and healthy nutrition. So smoothies is our first product, but we already have ideas of what to do. Yeah, and I think that. one other thing we do on top of that is while we also are empowering healthy habits, I think another healthy habit is health for our planet. And so we see that the food industry is one of the most destructive. And a lot of people may know this, but I know a lot of people still don't know this, but about 40% of all food reproduced in the U.S. is wasted. So that's a huge problem. We have people starving in the planet and yet, um, you know, we're doing like throwing all this food out. So let's find ways to avoid that waste. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're flash freezing our fruit without any preservatives so we can maintain, maintain all the high quality nutrition, but then it doesn't get wasted. It really is delivered to you. You blend it when you want it into the perfect size portion. Can you talk a little bit about Smoothie now? Um, I've seen some marketing. I've seen websites. I've seen you've had some successes. Can you talk about where you are now and, and how that's going? Sure. We, we launched commercially last summer and we, we really played it safe because going through those years of iteration and kind of getting punched all the time, we wanted to first validate before we prematurely scale. But we found quickly that this machine we have right now with our frozen supply chain, that everything is at this inflection point of being ready for scale. So we, we're ramping up more deployments uh, across Massachusetts and North Carolina. So basically Morgan moved down to North Carolina. I'm up in Boston, so we divide and conquer. Um, have more and more customers, both in the convenience store segment and also in the corporate office segment. Um, so, for instance, in the Boston area, I just launched uh, a toast in the headquarters and then one of their configuration centers with uh, smoothie machines making smoothies or uh, bringing smoothies back into the office where we initially started. So that's very exciting. We get a lot of interest from different segments such as gyms, um, fast casual restaurants, etc. At the same time, we try to be focused. We really want to get this to scale in one or two segments first um, and then um, expand to those uh, different markets. What keeps you guys going on a personal level? Certainly you're putting in a lot of hours. It's a lot of sweat equity. It's a lot of time. What keeps you motivated every day to get out of bed and push Smoothie forward? It's it's really helping people out and, and seeing them get excited about our product and really enjoy it. Um, not only is that, you know, make me feel great. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're really creating a true experience, but it, it's an experience that's absolutely wholesome and healthy. I mean, it's all natural. Um, they're, they're putting good nutrition in their body. And so, you know, and, and it, what's also really amazing is that it's not just one type of person. I can't pinpoint who our true customer is. I mean, like, you know, they kind of say that it's, it's a young person drink, but I see people at in their like the later parts of their years and our later years and they're, they're loving our product and adapting and maybe it makes them feel younger. So maybe it is a young person product makes you feel like it's the fountain of youth, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's making these people have these build these great habits. And I think a lot of these people are adopting our product. We see a lot of repeat usage and um, you know, young people learning to drink well and see, Hey, you know, I can eat my fruits and veggies and actually enjoy it. And then you see people who've, struggled that in their entire lives and had major health problems. And now it's said, finally, this is the thing that keeps me going and helps me, you know, 
have like, you know, put good nutrition in my body and, um, people who have had diabetes, people who have had heart attacks. And it's just great to see that. And I, I really, you know, want to help people. And Pascal, how about you? I couldn't agree more. I think it's really impact on people. And perhaps just to share one anecdote, there's one person in, in the first machine we deployed, she's getting a, a green energizer every morning on her way to work. And we can see that in the logs because it's always at the same time to this date. And so one morning I, I went to meet her and to hear her story. And, and she told me three years ago, she had a heart attack. She was obese um, and she drastically changed. I mean, she survived, changed her, her diet, is no vegan. Um, but she was really struggling with it because there are no vegan options wherever she goes. Um, so we are actually empowering her to live healthy. I think around the fifties, um, but she feels like 25. How much of an impact does the design of the machine and the experience and watching the smoothie being made and the interaction of actually taking the smoothie that you want and seeing it mixed? Is that part of the the experience that you think people are also drawn to? There's two kind of environments that we have our machines in. There are open environments where you have like a store where it's people coming in and out. And then there's closed environments like an office where you have the same people. And then these open environments where, you know, people are just experiencing the machine for the first time. It's really about this whole social dynamic and watching that process, the transparency as it's made. So I do think that's important. But if you want to really draw the comparison between smoothie and then on a product like Aldwala, regardless of you know any preservatives or sweeteners or ingredients that they add to it, um, the huge thing is oxidization and then also just um, texture. I think are the two big differentiators in the end product. We create this like, since we use frozen fruit, we don't have to add any ice. It's blended to this nice, very delicious consistency. Kind of going back to my first premise of why I started smoothie is. This goes like this product, if you don't drink it within 30 minutes, it really starts to lose the, the flavor, the texture, the, the quality of like the, the, the whole, like, you know, just this delicious experience. So you really want to drink it right out of the smoothie, like right out of the machine. And it, it really has a sort of like milkshake, creamy texture to it. And um, you don't get that from a pre-bottled juice. Um, and then, you know, we don't have to deal with this thing called oxidization, which is the breakdown of nutritional value. So even if you have the same great, like, apple or pear or mango that you've put into it oxygen in the air breaks it down once the skin is peeled and it's exposed and when you have it in a full liquid form that happens a lot faster in fact our machine versus a regular blender does a lot less oxidization in the blending process because we're blending in the cup and we're not introducing air to it so it's part of our patented technology so we really are giving you the best nutritional content out of the existing ingredients which are already premium and adding to what morgan said is uh, i like to say we don't sell smoothies we sell an experience and we always talked about like including the five senses um, and, and we can see that it, it starts when people enter the store, they see through the display freezer, through this uh, transparent packaging, that there's real fruit, rich chunks of fruits and vegetables in there. But I think it really matters for the operators, because uh, if you compare traditional smoothie operations, um, you always have people serving you as long as you want to keep the process transparent, like all the sweet green. Um, but in convenience stores, they tried doing that. And they said like labor shortage is one of the biggest challenges. People don't show up for work. People don't uh, make those smoothies consistently. They're not incentivized to actually promote the product because it's so much work for them. So but the machine actually replaces all the hassle for them. And then the best of it, it self-cleans after each smoothie and then self-sanitizes automatically at night. There is zero labor on a daily and weekly basis. But we found in those segments, if you can actually reduce the operational labor to zero, um, then you make the store staff your allies. They promote your product. 
besides this, the machine, also we've developed the whole supply chain. And Pascal should take most of the credit for that. But we've developed proprietary packaging and a whole um, operational procedure that allows us to bring high quality nutrition that you wouldn't get otherwise, and with a good impact on the environment and without using preservatives. And that's a huge problem people have. So, and this is something we plan to scale beyond smoothies, as Pascal said earlier. So it's it's the technology, it's also the supply chain, and there's a lot of technology in that supply chain that we've developed. That's a really good ad, Morgan. Thanks for doing that. Morgan and Pascal, thank you so much for sharing the story of Smoothie on Interesting People for 20. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Eric, for having us and also for your advice along the journey. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. And it's it's a real pleasure and excited to keep growing this and uh, keep you in the loop as we grow. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I'm really happy that you're part of this journey and so supportive. Thanks again for listening to Interesting People for 20. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go to ipfor20.com to listen to more, or you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Keep doing great things. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Interesting People for 20. 